I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. Today is National Nurses Day, and the Chronicle is highlighting the heroic work of nurses during the COVID-19 crisis, often done at tremendous personal peril. Many of them are treating patients without the proper professional-grade equipment. More than 6,100 healthcare workers in California have contracted the contagious disease, and more than 30 have died of it. Today, we're hearing directly from nurses themselves about what the past several weeks have been like. You can watch videos of these nurses and read Chronicle reporter Trisha Thadani's story about them at sfchronicle.com. We'll start with Twyla Nusser. She's a critical care nurse and organ donor coordinator in San Ramon. She has every other week off, so she volunteered to help in other parts of the country. A staffing agency has been flying her to New York every other week for the last month, and she's been working in a hospital there that's understaffed and overwhelmed. 213 of their employees have been diagnosed with COVID and are out, um, and they have lost 13 of their co-workers to COVID-19. Um, it's very difficult for me to talk about how sick patients are with COVID. I have taken care of severely sick patients in my nursing career, um, but to have the acuity of every single patient in their critical care units um, so high, everyone is just so stretched so thin. You are having to triage care of your patients and not be the best nurse you can be because you have to triage just keeping them alive. Um, it's been interesting, to say the least, to have to work in these makeshift ICUs with no equipment and my monitor has died on me and I've been not able to see my patients visually because they're stuck behind these zippered doorways to keep the COVID inside the room is the idea of that. So um, one of the attending physicians had donated um, baby monitors to um, to the ICUs in order to visualize our patients while we are outside the room. Um, having to don and doff your PPE, mostly donning, um, is so deliberate. You have to think of every single move you make um, in order to protect yourself um, from COVID. I trust in my PPE. I know it works, but when you see a patient in a crisis, you can't just run in like you would normally do in order to help save them. You see their oxygen saturation drop into the 70s and you have to take that three minutes to really don your PPE correctly in order to protect yourself before you can help and assist your coworker or your patient. Um, and that's just a little different mindset. Um, my hope is that we don't see what we see in the New York City vicinity here in California. I believe our governor has done a really excellent job at saving lives um, because we're, I do go to every single intensive care unit in the Bay Area um, for my organ donors, and I have not seen them nearly as impacted as what is happening down over, excuse me, in um, 
on the East Coast. Um, my fears, that is my fear that once we lift this shelter order that we will see the devastation that is over in New York, New York area um, and in Boston. Um, so I just hope that our government is able to lift the order in an organized fashion so that we don't see the magnitude of deaths that I had seen in just my few weeks working on the East Coast. That was Twyla Nusser, a nurse from San Ramon. She says she feels guilty every time she leaves her new colleagues in New York, even though she has patients to care for back home, too. Next, we'll hear from Mary Masella. She's a family nurse practitioner at La Clinica, a community-based health center with 33 sites around the Bay Area. She works at the one near the Fruitvale BART station in Oakland. She came to the United States from Guatemala when she was eight years old, and she talks about how her experience as an immigrant shaped the way she approaches her work. You'll hear her talk about what scares her and what she worries about every minute of every day. So since the COVID outbreak, a lot of things have changed in how we practice uh, medicine in primary care settings. So um, one of the biggest changes in our clinic, for example, was we went from seeing patients in, in, in person to now conducting a lot of our care uh, through the telephone. So we're doing a lot of televisits. Now, of course, not everything in primary care can be conducted through a telephone call. So for those patients that need to be seen, we do bring them into our clinic for evaluations. Um, so what is that like for us as healthcare providers? Well, um, it's a mixture of, of our passion and commitment to our profession superimposed on a great sense of anxiety that looms uh, over every interaction we have with our patients. So for me, I often lay at night thinking, what did I miss? Did I touch a surface that wasn't clean? Did I not secure my mask on adequate, adequately? Did particles of COVID get through there and, and I inhaled them? Did I wash my hands enough? Did I wash my hands long enough? Did I use enough soap? Um, has COVID made its way into my household? And with those thoughts, I often think, what are my chances of surviving if I were to get COVID? Uh, now, given my age and my overall good health, uh, it's, I often reassure myself and think, you will get through this. And yet we all know that people who are young and healthy have also been affected by COVID. Um, as I mentioned, I am a daughter of immigrants, and so my parents live with me. Uh, they worked very hard to help me get to where I am, and so now I share responsibility to care for them. And they live in my home together with my husband and my seven-year-old daughter. And I often think about me missing something may affect the outcome of my family. I think about um, what would my daughter think if her mama was gone? I think about me missing something at work may lead to uh, my daughter's grandparents, her dada and her abuela no longer being with her. These are the thoughts that keep me up at night and I'm sure I'm not the only one who has them. 
Um, and it is not uncommon for families uh, to cohabitate in the communities in which I work with. Um, and obviously it is the case for me. And part of that is driven by cultural, cultural traditions. And part of that is driven by the increasing cost of living in the Bay Area. But in the last two or three weeks, I've uh, been in conversations with patients who have tested positive for COVID. And these individuals live in a room with two or three other family members in a household or a house that has two or three other whole families living in there. And they all share a bathroom, they all share a kitchen. So how do we expect uh, self-quarantine to occur in those situations. So how do I find hope through these very dark and difficult times? And for me, I want to believe in the resiliency of community. I want to believe in the resiliency of an Im immigrant community, uh, individuals who have fought and have worked so hard to get to where they are today. I want to believe in us as a society and as a people to work together to get through this. And uh, I also think that it's important to acknowledge that our country shares a responsibility to offer free and universal testing for everybody. I do believe that that is a gateway to reintegrate ourselves into society, to start opening back up our cities and our counties and our states and eventually our country. And in the meantime, I remain committed to my profession. I remain committed to my patients, to my clinic, to my community, uh, and to my fellow healthcare workers. That's Mary Masella, a family nurse practitioner in East Oakland. When we come back, we'll hear from a labor and delivery nurse. There's only so much social distancing you can do when it comes to childbirth. We're listening to Bay Area nurses talk about the work they've been doing during the coronavirus crisis and how they and their fellow healthcare workers are coping with it. You can watch video of these nurses and several more of their colleagues at sfchronicle.com. You can also read Trisha Thadani's story about National Nurses Day on the website. We're going to hear now from Sasha Cutler, a registered nurse with the San Francisco Department of Public Health. He works at Laguna Honda, the city's largest nursing home, where workers have complained about the response to the virus being slow and spotty. He's also the RN chair of SEIU Local 1021, the local nurses union. He says healthcare workers are feeling betrayed. It's appropriate for Florence Nightingale's birthday that at the, at the hospital she founded, nurses in England brought a banner across the Thames River that said, we don't go to work to die. We are not disposable. And that's something that's so important to know. And that's how we feel in the Department of Public Health every single day. None of us are disposable. Right now in California, 5,000, more than 5,000 healthcare workers have been diagnosed as having been infected. And for every one of those healthcare workers, there are many more who were tested because they had symptoms and are frightened and staying at home. I've seen some of those healthcare workers and I've seen how brave they are and how the other thing that's wonderful to know is that, is that it's possible this, this personalized protective equipment actually works. Please 
make sure that we don't lower the standards because the other thing that the mask can't hide, I'm afraid, is the fact that we feel betrayed. We feel betrayed that, that the leadership was not able to hold on to the best standards of prevention of aerosolized transmissible diseases like this coronavirus um, and then didn't have enough supplies when it hit. Luckily, we're doing everything we can in the Department of Public Health. There's a lot of good people, and we will all work with each other to do something about it. That was Sasha Cutler, a nurse at Laguna Honda, San Francisco's largest nursing home. There's no way to do social distancing in the delivery room. Diva Wolf talks about that now. She's a labor and delivery nurse at Highland Hospital in Oakland. So we have very close contact when we're supporting a patient. We may hug them and support them to get an epidural. We may whisper things into their ears as they're pushing. Uh, we may be holding their legs as they're pushing. We are up close and personal with our patients. And that's something that most of us love about our jobs. Um, we love our patient population who are immigrants and people of low means who come to us as a safety net hospital for excellent care, um, both physically and emotionally. Um, and it's just kind of part of our culture to be very personal and share uh, space very comfortably with our patients. And with all of the PPE, masks, sometimes face shields, gowns, everything, we can sort of have to take a big step back from our patients, which I think has been difficult for all of us as healthcare workers. But for the patients themselves, when you look into a woman's eyes who has just been declared a person under investigation and put in an isolation room, and then we all begin to, uh, you know, trail in with all of this gear, you can just see terror. And so it's our jobs right now to add that extra layer of um, comfort, um, just soothing patients with our voices, being extra kind, spending extra time to explain things, calling interpreters, just doing the very best we can to um, be confident in our own care and pass that sense of security onto our patients. The other thing that's been amazing about COVID-19 to me has been to see the power in collective organizing. There are so many people that have come out to get organized and be involved and really start paying attention to these issues of health disparities that have been going on for years and the many levels that our healthcare system just does not provide for so many people. There's never been a time where we have realized more than ever that the health of your neighbor, the health of the homeless person down the street, the health of every woman who walks into our labor and delivery unit is important not only to them, but to us. We are literally a world family, and if we don't take care of each other, who will? That's Diva Wolf, a labor and delivery nurse at Highland Hospital in Oakland. And we're going to stay at Highland Hospital for this next clip. John Pearson is an emergency room nurse there, and he talks about what it's been like in the ER since the coronavirus hit. For us, uh, for the most part, it's not that much different um, we, uh, the ER is a kind of place where there's lots of teamwork, uh, people working together and figuring things out. Uh, and unfortunately, 
during normal times and during the pandemic, figuring things out sometimes uh, is figuring out basic things that we should just have, um, like not having enough staff. For example, our ED techs who take care of 5150 patients who are on a psychiatric cold or patients who are too confused to be able to keep themselves safe. We often don't have enough of them just to cover their breaks um, and to do all the work that they that they need to do to take care of our patients. Same thing with our housekeeping staff that keep the place clean. We just don't have enough to keep the garbage from overflowing or to keep things from being incredibly messy and dirty. Um, and during COVID, um, we're all figuring out together how to deal with patients that might have COVID when they come in and they're incredibly sick and dying. Um, and uh, the problem is that uh, we shouldn't have to just figure that stuff out. There should be training and support and the right equipment and enough staff to deal with those things. So I think that's that's a huge part of what it's like being in the ER right now. But that's something that we're used to doing all the time is just trying to figure things out. Unfortunately, I think it's reached a level uh, that's really unacceptable because it puts our patients and all of us at risk. Um, we are really determined to stick with it and to keep taking care of our patients and to keep taking care of each other and having each other's backs. Um, and that is what it's like to be an ER nurse. Stay safe, everybody. That was John Pearson, a nurse at Highland Hospital, talking about working in the emergency room there. All of these nurses, and several more, made their own videos and gave them to The Chronicle. You can watch them all at sfchronicle.com. You can also read Trisha Thadani's story about National Nurses Day there, and you can get full coverage of the coronavirus crisis at sfchronicle.com coronavirus. Thanks to Guy Wathen for editing the videos, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. In place of our usual ending, we're going to let some of our nurses have the last word. I want to thank the people of San Francisco uh, for all of the sacrifices that you've been making to maintain social distancing and flatten the curve. I think round one in San Francisco has been a big success in the Bay Area. But my fear is at this point that, you know, the, this virus isn't done with us yet. So bless your hearts, everybody. Stay home, stay safe and take care. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing us for National Nurses Week. I am so honored to represent the profession that I love. I'll do that again. <laughs> I don't want to cry. Thank you for allowing me to represent my profession for National Nurses Week. It has been, it is an honor to do so. And I hope that I make my profession proud.